What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast. We just got done celebrating Emory Day, so if you missed it, that means that Emory has a new EP that we released yesterday, and we launched a online community called Emory Land, where we do stuff on Twitch and all that kind of thing. If you missed it, go check it out. We have a campaign now live. We're crowdfunding for a new record. All this stuff's going on. All the details are at emorymusic.com. And uh, i tell you what, Reva, cut this hip-hop music real quick, and let's hear some new Emory. Okay, that was a little bit from a song called The Noose. There's that and three more over there. Okay, so we'll see you guys over in Emory Land. Today's show is brought to you by Pro Flowers. Don't forget, Mother's Day's coming. So get one dozen assorted roses for $19.99 by going to proflowers.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use our code BADCHRISTIAN. Today's show is also brought to you by Sherry's Berries. Go to, go to berries.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right corner and enter our code Bad Christian to get freshly dipped strawberries starting at just $19.99. And finally, today's show is brought to you by Quip. Quip starts at just $25. So go to quip.com slash bad Christian to get your first refill pack free. Let's do it. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever f- talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extrovert. No, girl, it's my pleasure. I, I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. Yeah, screw hip hop. This is what hell sounds like. Hell will sound like this when you die. That's that male limp biscuit hate your stepfather aggression coming out. That's you know. No, that is what it will sound like in hell when you die. If you listen to this podcast, when you die, you will be in hell, and there will be worms eating your flesh, and you will hear the word bad Christian over and over and over for you. All I can all I can think about is the kid is the twenty year old in the car with his mom saying no seriously bad christian uh, they're kind of crazy but i i, no, I think you'll i think you'll kind of like them they, they talk about some deeper <laughs> stuff let's listen to this most recent episode see it has they they have comedian pete holmes on the day mom check them out you saw his netflix or, or hbo special anybody that pete holmes hangs out with has to be legit right right <laughs> <laughs> Satan! I'm gonna kill you, burn forever, flesh. I, I am really fascinated with the link, though, to aggressive stuff like aggressive music and I, I don't know gamers and every other thing that's like people want to say it's bad, but to me it seems really healthy to be able to oh, identify yeah. with Rage Against the Machine or do, play a violent, semi-violent video game. At least I don't know what all's out there these you days. Love, to you've where, always loved violence. 
but well, I mean, you, you, it's it's a way to. I mean, it's just like uh, when you're a kid, you tell scary stories about a monster and the, the thing, and ha Halloween is that. Like you have to program and sensitize to real things that exist, like aggression and violence. They they exist. You have to kind of calibrate yeah. to those. Dude, things. when and I get, I, I don't when, think it's unhealthy at all. When I get a little stressed, I have a go-to song called Middle Fingers by Ken Starr, and it's a very lyrically aggressive hip-hop song, and it makes it's therapeutic. It's, right. it's like it's like, oh cool. Because it's not it's not even really an antagonistic song. It's like I don't give a you know what song about any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it it's super helpful. You mentioned gaming though. I that's interesting because uh did you did you guys, y'all were gamers, I would assume, through high school and college, no. just like anybody? Well, I played no? Nintendo when I was a kid, but I'm I'm 100% the biggest supporter in the world of gaming culture. It's my favorite. I think it's the the best culture we have, and I think it is the emergence of the future of technology and learning and education is all in gaming. But yeah. I do not play video games at all. Well, here's the thing is, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that or not. I don't know enough about the gaming environment, but... I pretty much once I got married, I was like, I I just can't invest a lot of time into video games. It's not something my wife would want to do. Then once we started having kids, I was just like, I just can't imagine. There's so much to do, jobs. I'm just that's not going to be my focus. Video games. I enjoyed it in college, all through college. I mean, I used to play video games by myself with friends. Me and Toby and some friends had John Madden uh, tournaments. But pretty much adulthood and marriage. I just said goodbye to that, and it wasn't even like a huge commitment I had to make. But I'm telling you, if I am not in heaven right now, because now my boys are at an age to where that's how they want to spend their time with me, and we Sick. so so we are playing NBA Y2K all the time, and it is so much fun, <laughs> dude. I'm I'm telling you, like I walk I into that say room, Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. I, I walk into our uh, gaming room. And it is just, I have the biggest smile on my face because they're both saying, Dad. How casually you said gaming room. Gaming is just, room, yeah. Oh, man, that's just, you said that way too casually, rich ass. So, so. <laughs> gaming room. I walk into my it's gaming the room. room. It's the playroom. So anyway, it is so much fun. Like they literally sit down. They're like, Waylon, you take the first quarter and the third quarter. I'll take second and fourth. And they really, really want to beat me. And. Yeah. I, I'm already in that stage where I'm relinquishing. I don't have video game dominance. It's like the rite of passage. I remember smoking my dad in any game we ever played, and he was so frustrated. And I'm kind of in that little range there too. But it is so much fun competing with them and trying to beat them once in a while. And, and here's here's what's a little sick about this too, is there's like certain maneuvering and certain buttons that I have figured out with this game that I will not tell them because they're already better than me. Why would I give that <laughs> kind of strategy away? Like, there's great. There's the use of a certain button I that. that I use all the time and I will never tell them. No, so, total <laughs> dad move. I do the same thing. It is so much for fun, sure. man. It's so much fun. It's like it's like it came back full surface, and I'm like, cool. This is a great way to enjoy my time with my boys. It is yeah, interesting. I, 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 think I was thinking this. I was thinking the same thing the other day. Uh, Jess and I had this. We were having this conversation, and I kind of shittily remarked because she was on Facebook. Well, I uh, Ike left the our. We have a Wii. What what kind of game system do you have, Joey? Uh, Pro it like is the newest Switch. thing. Nintendo oh, Switch. Yeah, yeah. They got we, that for Christmas. We have we don't even have the Wii U. We just have the Wii from a long time ago. But uh, it has a bunch of games on. Our friend John put a bunch of games on there for us. And 
he left the game on. I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll just play a video game. And I was like, you know what? I, I used to think, I said, I guess I haven't played video games in so long because I just felt like I'm wasting my time or I'm being lazy or something like that. And then I looked and Jess was just over on her phone where I was like, but I said, it's obviously better than Facebook, <laughs> like what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no real shitty, real shitty remark. It is, though. It, but I know, but it was a real shitty remark. She was like, I don't know, yeah. you know, because I, I, I've set her up very poorly. She, I'm, I was on Facebook right after that. But it's interesting because it, like when I think about how much time I look at Facebook, which also is some kind of weird game in a way, or just some faux reality thing. And it's not, I'm not really learn. Maybe I'm learning. I guess I am learning something from Facebook for sure. But I, but I feel like most of it is a waste of my life. Like I'm looking at and scrolling through and just judging. Is this worth reading? Is this not? Oh, haha. This made me laugh. This made me angry, whatever. Instead of like a, a the game that, that I played or whatever, I was like, oh, okay, well, I got to figure out this challenge. Like you said, you're actually doing something to challenge and figure out the, the rules of gaming. Like the theory of gaming actually comes no in. That, that, that's actually important in life. Like game theory is something that is really awesome, actually, well, if you study Game it theory and, is what dictates geopolitics and nuclear right. politics around the world. All right, my mom is a pro at making me laugh and cooking fried chicken. She is so good at that. So why wouldn't I... Thank her, the one thing that I'm good at, and that's giving presents like Pro Flowers. Pro Flowers are an awesome gift for Mother's Day. Seriously, uh, the flowers that I got my mom are just so colorful. And I literally, I know nothing about flowers, but what I do know is when things look beautiful and the expression on people's face means the world. So that's why Pro Flowers comes in so handy for all occasions, but especially Mother's Day. Seriously, it's right here. Go ahead and order now. Pro Flowers lets you choose from a variety of bouquets and unique bases that suit every mom's style. Then simply select the delivery date you want. Pro Flowers carefully packages your flowers and delivers them fresh from the farm. So right now, get one dozen assorted roses for $19.99. Double the roses and get premium get a premium vase for just $9.99 more. That's a killer deal. Visit proflowers.com, click the microphone in the upper right corner, and enter my code, Bad Christian. Yeah, I said mine. I ruled this place. Enter Bad Christian code and the microphone. Click that microphone at the top. That's proflowers.com. Click the microphone code, Bad Christian. Mother's Day is May 12th, so don't wait. Order, pro, order like a pro and get this amazing rose deal to thank all the moms in your life. There's a way of looking at it to say games are all that there is like everything is a game and that's not to trivialize it, but that is the way we engage with things like a game. Yeah. Like for instance, if you say Facebook is a game, it, it is, it's a social signaling status interactive game where you try to position yourself in X, Y, and Z way for X, right. Y, and Z result. And it's competitive. That's clearly true. I mean, and even just things like it's a game, you know, your business professional network is a game that you're playing. You're entering into a world where you make certain connections and you trust people. So you give some and you take some yeah. and there's a strategy and it's a game. I mean, that is the way that humans interface with stuff. So I don't think gaming only belongs into the realm of, are you playing Mario or Fortnite? But if you broaden out, yeah. And so it's the gaming culture is where they embrace that, and they're ha making a lot of advancements there. And it's clearly, if you see what's happening with Fortnite and all that stuff, they're having concerts in Fortnite that Weezer plays. Right. It's a place. It's real. They're releasing games now in seasons, like where they'll overhaul the whole map, and it's huge. So they're literally competing directly with Netflix. And you're in, it, what, what's better, what, binging Netflix or building a world with a team doing problem solving and strategy in a game called Fortnite where you're actively interacting and there's leadership. Yeah. And I mean, give me a break. I mean, what that's the that right. is obviously the future of how we will 
conquer all problems. And if you could put every problem we have now into an interactive, stimulating, exciting game, then you'd get everybody trying to solve the world's problems together. Oh, so 100%. obviously that's where we're heading. And so in what, fact, what, a lot a lot of games are being used now. Like Ruby will come home and play a game to learn something on the for class the next day. That's or right. And I was like, oh, that's so we just got to get. She better really at, thinks she thinks it's know. fun. It's the exact same problem presented in a, a a way that actually bridges the gap between this is boring. I don't need it or whatever. It's that's actually right. showing her you do need it to get to this level or whatever. And that, right. That that little bit of connection actually really helps. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting uh, that we're talking about this because I just stumbled upon and and then I got a, a letter in the mail since we're with Blue Cross Blue Shield. There is an actual app. They're not called... going to cover you anymore. Too many help. <laughs> Drop. <laughs> uh, but they they basically have an app called Happily, and it it is it is an interactive game type. Uh, app that basically reminds you of positive thinking mm-hmm. and has really good mental health practices. And obviously, I, I pay attention to those sorts of things just because of my history and my track record. And so I already started messing with it. And it's like, you can tell, very mm-hmm. scientifically researched. And it's like, I mean, if a if a big company like Blue Cross is going to release an app, it's obviously legit. And it's very neat. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that everything... Wii Fitness is that. The Apple Watch yeah. is it, one of the biggest things about a- Apple Watch is that the fitness tracker that people start to engage with like a game. It, 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 next time you hear somebody say something negative about games, just pause a second. <laughs> then slap that person. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I am kidding. Don't slap the person, but like try to think of it. Wait, wait a second. That don't let the word game trivialize or condescend. Right. Don't do that. It's Please easy to don't do, do that. that. Yes, I agree. Don't do that because you, you you're gonna. I mean, you're gonna be blindsided with where this thing's going. I, I'm almost positive. It's, it's now, interesting. There... I was gonna say because we, we have. Uh, I went back because you know last time we interviewed Pete Holmes, it what it didn't go good. So I'm still a little nervous about this this coming, <laughs> uh, upcoming video interview here. But he made. I, I went back and listened to our old episode, which I did so horrible. If you if you want to hear just real bad, it was really awful too, Matt. Because <laughs> you, I, I, I went back and I was like, man, Matt's slaying. Like you were making Pete. Laugh laugh really a lot and i'm like the funny guy and i was just so timid and awful and i was sounded preachy i was like oh god i sound like a moron but well, he i felt talked, your energy and had to i remember thinking oh, okay i've got to carry you, did, this. you were doing great i was like man i went even on there if you go back and listen you'll hear like pete laughs like a belly laugh a couple times I was like man, matt's slaying right now to a real comedian but he talks about uh grand theft auto and I was thinking, even the even in the spiritual context, think about like looking at that game, like Fortnite or whatever. You're looking at it from, in a sense, God view, and you're not thinking, "Oh, this person's evil because they stole the car and had to go do this thing to rob this person or whatever." You're thinking, mm-hmm. "This is how I move through this. This is this character's destiny, or this is this char- what this character has to do, whatever." And you don't, you, you're not associating, "Oh, they're really bad because because of this, this, and this." Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting take. It kind of takes. If you zoom out, look at it from God's view, necessarily how we put so much emphasis and uh, pain and anguish and shame on our sins, as opposed to what if the bigger view is some people are in this situation and this is what they have to do. And it not necessarily means they're hellbound. Yeah. In what way could you say something other than the fact that we are God's video game? How, how could you, I mean, try, just try for a second to convince me that that, that that's not, that, 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 I mean, how could you argue with that? Like, right. in, it depends on what you mean by video game or game, but it's a, if SimCity's a game, how is this whole thing not a game? God did create it. He is involved in it. Here it is. It is where he gets his joy, right? He is involved in this world and cares about it and is watching it unfold and participating. 
How's that not a game? I mean, what I'm saying is everybody <laughs> wants to resist the fact that it's a game because <laughs> I don't want to say a game is a good thing. But that's one way to look at it. That's a but, way to look at this. And I'm not saying that's a joke. It's This is God's video game. Okay. But Matt, Jesus became a sim, and then the sims murdered him for you. <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer, asshole. All right, let's get to Pete. I'm I'm nervous as hell. Let's let's just can we can we bring him on? This yeah, is let's do be it. Good, take, I hope. Real quick before we do that, I got to tell you about something else. All right, I've already been talking about uh, Mother's Day coming up, and what could be better? You get you get the pro flowers, and then of course your mom needs the Sherry's berries. Man, I'm gonna be honest. I ordered some for myself. They came last week, and I ate most of them myself. And I'm not even a mother, so don't mothers deserve giant, delicious chocolate covered, amazing chocolate covered strawberries? My God. Why? I mean, it's your mom. Come on. Sherry's Berries even has a special Mother's Day berries uh, designed just for mom. And it's so cool. It's chocolate chips and pink shimmer sugar swizzles. My God, it sounds amazing. Uh, and seriously, these uh, gourmet goodies, that's what I like calling them, gourmet. I don't even know how to spell gourmet, but I know what it means. Good, good, good. You choose your delivery date and ensure that your mom gets your gift of Sherry's Berries exactly when you want her to, and your satisfaction is, of course, always guaranteed. So don't wait until the last minute uh, on this one. Visit berries.com today and order freshly dipped strawberries starting at $19.99 for the mom or moms in your life because, you know, there's a lot of moms out there. Uh, To make mom really happy, you can double the berries for just $10 more. My God, what more do you want? Goodness gracious, Mother's Day is Sunday, May 12th. How many times am I going to remind you? So go to berries.com. Uh, that's B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click the microphone in the upper right corner and enter our code, Bad Christian. That's berries.com. Click the microphone, code, Bad Christian. There we go. You see us and hear us? I do, yeah. I felt real old for a second, and now I got it. <laughs> Where are you, Pete? I'm in L.A., where are you guys? Are you at your house? I am in my house, yeah. Okay, well, I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but we've been to your house before. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> You've been on this podcast before, so check check out me here and Toby. We're two Southern guys that came to your house to do a podcast in that back yep, building. You invited do you us in. That's right. I do remember. I'm not just saying that. I remember. <laughs> Um, that was years ago, right, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about yeah. three or four years ago. You were working on stuff with uh, Rob Bell at the time, and I believe it went like this. It was, I asked you, why did you do it and have us come to your house? We've been podcasting a while, and rarely do you go to somebody's house, especially somebody that's you know publicly known or something like that. We were in L.A. playing. We play in a rock band called Emory, so we were in town doing a show that night. And we also did this podcast, so we said, we'll be in town if you want to do the show. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. Just come over to my house. I said, all right, right on. So we, if you recall that, but that was the situation. I thought Bad Christian Podcast was a podcast I wanted to do. I thought it was, for some reason, when I saw the name, I was like, oh, that, that just sounds like a podcast I'd like to do. And I'm... We cannot do this now. I've already done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the funny thing about it is we're in, we're you know this podcast is something we do that that's, I suppose you'd say experimental, really dynamic. We've been on a journey of trying to figure out faith, and we came from a real kind of conservative place, and have landed in a very much less conservative place with just trying to go into the banner of bad Christian. Let's not take ourselves seriously. Let's not say we're good. Let's just explore this thing. And we've you know, moved a, a ton since we last talked to you, and I'm sure you've changed a lot too. So it's quite appropriate to do another podcast. What fun. Well, yeah, no, I'd be uh, heartbroken if you guys were the same 
people that you were three years ago. Not that there was anything wrong with that, but I'd be heartbroken <laughs> if I was the same person I was three years ago. Well, I feel like that is the name of the game. That's I, I don't know if you got a copy of my book, but that was a big thing that I talked about in there is that like it's always about forward movement whatever that means to you like your your inner transformation and your evolution is very is all in the game as i would say it's important to keep moving and whereas when i was raised um we we really felt like we had it and all we had to do was hold on to it no doubt losing or changing your faith was sort of the worst thing you could do and now i see it as the greatest thing you could do i mean you look at look at jesus himself to jump right in i mean like he came, he didn't just come and like sit on a, on a rock, you know what I mean? And like take questions. He went through the process of maybe not his own evolution. It depends on how you view him, but like things happen, movement happens, action happens, suffering happens, change happens, your brain changes, your emotional state changes. And that's really beautiful. Whereas I used to resist that because I was 100%. like, I'm in the club, just like your Green Bay Packers had. I was like, I'm in the club. This is my this is my ball club. I'm I'm on the Jesus team. I have the answers. Even when I was 12, I was like, I have the answers, and I'm done. And now I yeah. see that the worst thing that can happen to you, uh, which is what I thought was losing your faith, can be the best thing to happen to you when it comes to having a vibrant and three dimensional and much more, I don't know how to electric or juicy sort of interesting relationship with faith. Two minutes, two times a day, you need to do it for a healthy mouth and a healthy mind. Y'all know what I'm talking about, brushing your teeth. Well, Quip is a business that has kind of revolutionized this whole thing. They're one of they're, they're one of the first electric toothbrushes that it was accepted by the American Dental Association, backed by over 25,000 dental professionals, and have thousands of verified five-star reviews. I love using Quip personally because I need the accountability of making sure I brush my teeth for two full minutes and give all of my teeth the attention that it needs. 90% of people don't brush their teeth effectively. We're all busy. We got a million things going on in our head, and that's why we need Quip. It's like a it's a smart toothbrush. It makes sure you're giving the attention that your teeth need. So here's the thing. It's got s- sensitive sonic vibrations for effective cleaning in the first place, but those same vibrations that are gentle on your gums, they send off a pulsating timer every 30 seconds. You clearly feel when it's time to switch to the other side of your teeth or go to the other layer. Good news is kids now have a quip toothbrush made just for them, a size just for them, different colors that they'll dig, a toothpaste, watermelon tasting that they'll love. We know these kids need that built-in pulsating accountability, so they switch every 30 seconds because we've seen kids brush their teeth for 10 seconds altogether, and they think they're done, and we know that they are not. 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective, and this is what I love, is that brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. I love Quip, love the accountability that it gives me. I feel like my teeth are cleaner for it, and we want to give our listeners a great deal. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash badchristian, right now you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash badchristian. 
I think the biggest, I think the biggest lure there, and I, I think you're right. Even going back to like when we first met you, uh, and I mean, this is uh, just me being honest as well. Like when we first met you, I was like, oh my god, Pete Holmes is going to be on our podcast. I mean, I've listened to his his podcast. I've seen him on you know shows, TVs, everything, and I was I was so nervous. And I was a Christian, and I went in thinking, okay, what is he going to talk about? And is he a Christian? I didn't know totally about your faith yet, and. Maybe you'd been exploring it, but I hadn't seen as much. I know you back then you'd kind of just started working with Rob Bell. And I I felt I think there's something for me back then, even just three years ago, it isn't that long, but there's something there the lure is safety or something like when when you talk about growing and changing, that seems scary. And I think there's sometimes the lure for me for Christianity was, oh wait, I know that if I do this, I go to heaven. I know if I do this, I go to hell. Those people are going to hell, these people aren't. That, that even though that sounds horrific now to me, there's some safety in that. Like, oh wait, I know the parameters, I know the rules, and so. But but even back then, it wasn't the real person. Like to, even to walk into your house, this is really funny. I know you probably didn't know this. I was so <laughs> nervous that day that we we met at your house at like nine a.m. or something. I was so nervous that day. I drank a six pack of beer before I got to your house. <laughs> oh <my. laughs> I was like, oh my! I was like, oh my! And I'm sure I was like, I'm nervous. Them. I said, I'm nervous. I'm going to blow it. I'm going, and I did. I went back and listened to the podcast. It is so awful. And you're just being really nice and kind. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't, but do you understand? And I was like, gosh, what was I doing back then? By the time I got back to our bus, I went back to our tour bus. I had a hangover. That's how I was like, oh my God. And I was so miserable. I hated that day. I was like, I think I hate Pete. I hate everything about You hated because, Matt for doing a good and, job. And in retrospect now, it's like what you're saying is because I wasn't ready to, to move or experience something and be just open to it not even change but just be open to the idea of change because that seems so scary right yeah that, that's something that i talk about in the book too is, is certainty worship and i completely understand in, in fact i i think your behavior is drinking a six-pack is like the most relatable thing to me actually is is when you're in the face of something change well it's not we don't even have to say it's threatening it's just like we don't like change we like certainty and for me um if we're being honest, like there's times when I, I sometimes talk to some of my formerly religious friends about this. Like I was just hanging out with um, Michael Gunger and his wife and my yeah. wife, and we just sort of impromptu sang a worship song. And then I, uh, because it was lovely and, and it was fun, it was fine. And then I was just like, you know, if you're, if we're really honest, at least if I'm really honest, I feel like I miss that feeling sometimes that when, when you start to jump into the pool of mystery or, or the unknowing or the ineffable quality of living spirit, you can kind of get in touch and have compassion for the part of yourself that resisted change. Of course, it feels so nice to, to belong and to know and to know that, you know, all of that stuff now, um, it's easy to say this, it's harder to embody it, but you, you identify it as ego stuff. It, it really is. It's a clan mentality. It's, it's a little bit of narcissism. If I'm being honest, I think narcissism is at play yeah. when you're like, what I believe is correct and what they believe isn't correct. Mm -hmm. And to believe that you have this anointing from, from the creator of every single thing that thinks you're special and you're in, that is just like a huge jerk off basically and, and and jerking off feels nice i'm not i'm not trying to be crude by the way for your audience i'm just saying it is masturbation it, ma masturbation and and that and that is a a, a good feeling and, and when we let so when i was talking to you i was letting rob into my consciousness i i had sort of walked away from all of it 
I sort of had the sort of the inverse experience where I was kind of flirting with the idea of letting some some of Jesus's uh, ideas back into my life. So that was resistance for me. And I would, I would have to deal with that fear. But I, I would say that like drinking a six pack and doing it anyway is like a, is a fucking win. And that, and that, <laughs> just, that, that didn't to, feel that way. Talk about it again is gorgeous. That, that, that to me is like sharing that wound is all I care about. Is, There's is, a pattern that I've recognized. It's a phenomenon of like, a, I want to call it circling the drain. But, I, you know, I always remember following Dave Bazan's career. I know you know him too. Like he's somebody that we know and have kind of followed in his, we're in the same genre of music loosely, you know, from, from way back. He's a forefather of ours, the way I look at it. But seeing him go through all his deconstruction to me was always this thing that I really bristled at because I'm like, shit, he makes sense. I know he knows what he's talking about. I know he has more experience with me. I see this as some pathology that I'm circling the drain of. I'm going to try to resist being like him, but, and Pete Holmes, he's the same way I'm going, uh, and you know, you're fighting. Like I, I look, I'm respecting these people and I'm, am I just following them down this stupid path, but I, I'm trying to resist it. But sure enough that, you know, they, they, I do think they know what they're talking about. And, ah, you know, that whole push and pull with yourself is frustrating. <laughs> Your resistance though is so, Right on. And I think that's coming from a beautiful and pure intuitive place. I think all of us that got into religion were probably following a very pure and true good intuition that we had, that there was something going on that we weren't seeing, that we could sort of feel that we couldn't see. So I, I like deconstruction. If you want to get together and talk about the Gospel of John being written after the church had developed a Christology basically and or how many years how many decades and all that fun stuff or you know when you say David Bazan I'm just like oh he's he has that song about like you want me to believe it all started with an apple okay that's deconstruction and that's fine but it doesn't really excite me anymore I think we all have to go through a period where we're like I don't believe that God made it in six days. How could there be a day if there wasn't an earth to rotate around the earth? <laughs> I wish this was a vodcast right now. <laughs> I wish this was a video podcast right you now. You went so all in on that see. character. You've seen you that all... character before. Man. <laughs> I, I'm best seen. Yeah, I'm better. Seen. But you know what I'm saying? Like, that is fine. When someone's going through that phase, I'm always just like, talk to me in five years. Like, I just don't care. Like, are, are you realizing that your parents are just people too? Like, what other major revelations are you having? Like, are you going to put up a Nirvana poster or like a, a Tupac poster? Like, you're just rebelling. And I get it. Do it. But it's not the most interesting thing to me. So if you're feeling resistance, I like to sing David Bazan's song. I go, it's hard to read. It's hard to read. It's hard to read the Bible literally. Yeah. He says it's hard to be a decent human being. Yeah. And he's talking about the book of Genesis being read literally. And I'm like, it's not supposed to be read literally. So that's reconstruction. Yeah. That is so much more interesting to me to start looking at the Bible with the eyes of the people who would have been reading and writing the Bible is way more exciting than going like, well, this is just a bunch of crap. And I'm not saying that's what David <laughs> did. I'm saying that's what a lot of us do. And that's a normal, that's normal. It's normal to deconstruct, but it's also normal to be hesitant to deconstruct. That's why it's nice to say, come in, let's deconstruct, but I'm going to do something better than that. And I hope people do. I'm going to give you the tools to reconstruct as you see fit. Because if you want to be like, 
it's all stupid. I mean, why, why is there pain if God exists or like, if he's all powerful, why did this happen or that happen? Great. Fine. Talk to me in five years. Oh, you think it's a Bible and the snake talked? Why do you make the snake? Okay. Talk to me in five years, but you need the tools. And, and that's why I wrote comedy sex. God is because I wasn't just sharing my deconstruction, it's very juvenile and butthurt to just be like, my wife left me. God was supposed to protect me. I didn't smoke or drink or swear. I believed what he told me. Why am, why am I not in his protection? You know what I'm saying? That's boring. And that's just the first half of the book. The second half is learning what a myth is and how to read Semitic metaphors and, and how to experience divine revelation through psychedelics and then how to interpret those again through metaphors and myths in the Bible and then and to conv- uh, commune with those things through things like meditation or, or mindfulness or contemplation now. Because this is something Rob always says, Rob Bell. He says it's a Semitic, it's an old Hebrew saying that any old donkey can tear down a barn, but it takes a special donkey to build one. And when I see people going through that necessary first stage of setting it on fire, I'm like, great. Let me know when you sweep up the ashes and start building something. Because one thing we know in our hearts, in our quiet moments, is something is going on that we do not understand. And that can be frightening or it can be the most lovely, juicy, exciting adventure of existence. And uh, tearing down how one book it doesn't have everything by the Western model of reason and rationality and journalistic approach isn't as interesting to me anymore. Sure. More about like, how, how can we start taking your pure, good, earnest intention to, to feel and experience and merge with God or the mystery or this? And how can we, how can we do that? Because uh, I think I've made my point. It's not. It's not that interesting anymore to go like, you know, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus isn't resurrected. I mean, what's that? For sure, <laughs> for sure. But Pete, what's the tip for when you when you encounter somebody who's in a certain state, which you find a lot of them, and you tell them, "Ah, come back in five years, you'll see what I'm talking about." How do you deal with that not being so condescending, though? Because people, oh, I've arrived, and you'll see later. Like, oh, you, that's why people take it. There's a million things that I think and don't say i I wouldn't say (laughs) i'll talk to you in five years (laughs) duh (laughs) that's what i've been doing wrong you know it's funny people quit smoking and they immediately start telling people who smoke that it'll kill you even though a week ago they were smoking yeah or even more common like i stopped eating meat and then as soon as i did i started judging people that eat meat even though for 30 Five years I ate meat. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Like, you, you have to have compassion for where you were, and you have to check yourself and make sure that you're not just on another ego trip saying, like, I'm in college and you're in kindergarten. It's like, well, you were in kindergarten and you didn't want someone telling you you were in kindergarten. Like, just just let it be. But what what I like to do, that's why I like having a podcast and that's why I like writing a book, right? It's hard to tell someone especially if they didn't ask you. And I don't think you should if they didn't ask you, how did you rebuild your faith? How did you get where you are? Maybe then you could tell them. But with the podcast and the book, I get to just write about it regardless, without them needing to identify their need or their desire to maybe hear those types of things. Then it's just like they're just like a fly on the wall. And if you'd like, you can hear how I did it. And if that appeals to you, if that speaks to your heart, 
you can do the same things. That makes books and podcasts way more effective. In my life, I don't, I don't really go around, you know, if someone's like, I believe in an old man in the sky, I'm like, so did I for a very long time. Yeah. Let me let me know. This is that's the I guess one way to interpret the Holy Spirit. Let me know if later that starts to feel unsatisfying. And Richard Rohr would say that comes either through great love or great suffering. For me, it was great suffering through my wife leaving, and then everything broke apart, and then I needed to rebuild it. But some people, you know, that's that's not going to be their path, and that's fine. It's where where is anything going? It's all here. Where's it going? No rush. Take your time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Pete, what think compels like, a guy like you that's doing stand up and has has had TV shows and you know your podcast and everything else to to write a book? I mean, what's the you know? Seems like you've got so much going on. It seems like writing a book is such a daunting thing. Why why put the time and effort into that? Yeah, it, it's different, you know, than anything else I've done. With crashing, for example, I was always trying to and succeeding to put in little little spiritual things, almost like Easter eggs. And mm-hmm. Judd is very understanding to that. And, and he actually really loves when I, when we talk about Eckhart Tolle or Alan Watts or something, he, he, he enjoys it. But, you know, in a 28 minute show, how, how much of this can you say? The, the answer is not much. And even on the podcast, you know, you have to hope that people are going to find the podcast or listen all the way to the end or whatever. I just wanted something direct, something that I could say like, hi, you're here. It's intimate. You hold it in your hands. And you go like, okay, I'm going to tell you this funny sex story, but then I'm also going to tell you about soul consciousness. And that's just a sort of unexpected thing from a book about it, from a comedian. And I like that direct, like, now that I have you here, let me tell you everything that I, that, that's helped me, that's made me less anxious, that's had more equanimity, more love, more vitality. Let me just give it to you. It's right here. You bought it. And I'll take that as a green light for you want to hear what I have to say. As opposed to the podcast where people are like, you talk over your guests too much. You're like, yeah, you're right. So I'll put it in, I'll put it in a book. Funny <laughs> how that happens. You thought I have a podcast so I can just, uh, surely I can get out all my thoughts here. Still no. <laughs> I know, dude. And don't let me steamroll this, this podcast. I, I, I get on a, I'm so passionate about this stuff. I really am. And that is such a gift to identify, especially people who either identify as Christians or did identify as Christians. Those are my people. I, feel, I really feel it's not hard for me to imagine that I'm talking to myself. And that's why I want to be clear that I'm not just like, you're stupid or like, right. you don't even know how to read the Bible. Like, none of that helps. None of that well, helps. It's actually, well, well, it's inter- I was going to say, it's interesting to me, like just reading through your book, your, your folks sent it over. It, it feels a lot like my story in a way. Not, I, I haven't gone through divorce, but uh, the, your early years and just how you were a Christian and what it meant. Do you, do you, do you have that friendship circle too, or do you? Did you feel alone, like being in Hollywood and around entertainment and all that stuff? Do you like, do, is your story? Do you feel like it's it's unique because it, to me it feels like it. You're exactly right. You're speaking to me with your yeah. book, like that. Your book, some of the stories I was, I literally have been laughing out loud, and some of the points you're making are awesome because I, I was like, oh wait a minute, I like church because one of the points you made, I forget what chapter it is. I'm sorry, but you uh, you said. I like church because I li- I liked adults and trusted them, and they were the ones that told me what it was. That's exactly me. My grandfather, my papa was a pastor. Uh, you know, all all the adults said, "Don't do this. You don't have sex before marriage. You go to hell. You don't steal. You don't do this. This, 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 and this." And so I was like, "Yeah, of course." And it's it, speaking right to me. But I didn't know if if that does that 
Did you feel like this was a story? Were you worried that people wouldn't relate to your story? Because do you have friends that are like what you're talking about in the book? Not a lot in uh, of people, but a lot of uh, fans. Like when I started sharing the story of um, my wife leaving and then losing my faith and then sort of rebuilding it, it's been thousands and thousands of people are or either they watch crashing or they listen to the podcast and they're like, you're telling my story. And, and Toby, like what you said, it's like, my wife didn't leave me, but this, like maybe right. parent died or there was yeah. some suffering. Richard Rohr, who I love so dearly is always like, you're not going to change. Most of us aren't going to change without some sort of suffering. Cause if what you're doing is working, why would you change? <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. And that was the Christian bubble that I was in. And that's what I was sort of expressing like a, like a nostalgia for, like you sort of miss the simplicity of just like, well, they said, don't have sex. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I can do that. Yeah. Nobody's right. even offering like no problem. <laughs> and, and you get that cozy, warm feeling of being in. But then the more that that's why I liked your six pack story. The more that I share the vulnerability and the humiliation of trying to hold on to the hot potato that you were handed by your papa as a kid, even though I believe that your papa was was delivering the truth as as he understood it. Like there's, I don't, yeah. I don't think anybody's being malicious, but there's something so psychologically exciting about finding the truth in the form that we inherited as children. I don't think there's anything more exciting than when I'm reading Alan Watts, who I already mentioned who's a Zen Buddhist, and he's saying what, what Jesus said. And then you read, you know, the Ramayana or you read uh, other sacred texts and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, it's all, <laughs> it's not just like, oh, it's all the same. Just be a good person. Fuck you. It's not just be a good person. There's something so much more exciting going on here than just be a good person. As Richard Rohr says, the word nice is not in the New Testament, but it got turned into like a club, like a, right. a hot dish, be polite club. And there is something that is inclusive of your doubt, inclusive of your six pack, inclusive of losing your faith <laughs> that is that is real and pulsing and going on and behind and within and throughout everything that you can tap into and that i'd like to think is what your papa was trying to point you towards by saying don't have sex before marriage and using a metaphor i would say like hell to say that that's not where the juice is i it's it's exciting to find that there are ways to do this in a modern life that isn't so fearful and so guilt-based and shame-based that god really is love that god really is a big cosmic yes that's holding your molecules together right now that loves its creation and is, and is watching it unfold. You're unfolding. You're not supposed to be done. You're unfolding right now. You're unfolding this conversation. I'm unfolding. It's happening. It's real. It's vital. It's exciting. It's not just about don't jerk off, which if you've read the book, so much of my early faith was just like, as long as I don't jerk off. <laughs> I didn't want, and that's everybody. That's fucking everybody. All especially men. I'm sure women suffered as well. But we didn't have a problem not killing people or not stealing or, or even not lying, which could be tempting. But we could do that. But you had a pulsing biological urge that, let's face it, grownups lose touch with how real and vital and pressing yeah. that issue. I was saying that yesterday. I was, I saw, I said, this is, this, I'll tell you an embarrassing story too, since you like Toby's. I was walking yesterday and I saw a 
really hot girl. I'm f- almost 40, been married 10 years, got kids and everything. And I saw just like a hot girl and I got that old fashioned feeling. And I, and I goes, I have not had this feeling in 10 years, 20 years. Oh. And I just remember what it felt like to be 21 and see a, a sexual hot girl and go, I can't have that. I can, I'll never get that. There's no way for me to get anything. I'll never get anything. And it's, this is painful. Like that was the, <laughs> you know, like wh- there's no, ch- I've got nothing and I'll never have anything. And that's the context in which you better not even jerk off. That's right. And I, I forgot that I even used to feel that way walking around the street. I could be in pain by seeing a beautiful person. <laughs> that was true. That, I mean, imagine a, a bee feeling bad about seeing a flower. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's in the cosmos. The whole, the whole thing is attracted to itself. The whole universe is, is love. And that love isn't not erotic. You know what I'm saying? It's into itself. The whole fucking thing is into itself. And we're told to sort of like deny that. And I understand it's not good to have a congregation filled with pregnant teenagers. So that's bad for business. We're going to like really put a focus on Mm -hmm. the sins of the flesh, as Paul said. But Richard Rohrer pointed out that we've been misinterpreting that text is that that he thinks that Paul wasn't saying sins of the flesh like your dick or your vagina. He's saying sins of the flesh, your false self, your ego, your identity structure, your your belief about who you are isn't who you are. And that's what's keeping you from God. You're, if you can identify with your true self, with your awareness is what I would call, or or your soul, which is what the Christians would call it, that's who you really are. And the sins of the flesh are anything, anything you're doing. They're all sins of the false self. Your soul isn't sinning. You're going around being an asshole. And that's, and that's adding static over the radio that's playing the song of God. So it's not the bad thing you're doing. It's a disruption or it's an obtru- uh, obtrusion to your flow and your connection with what is. But I mean, that's why the book is called Comedy, Sex, God is because sex and God were so linked together that I had to, so that feeling that you were having, um, when you, Matt, when you were on the street, I, I tried after I lost my faith to just go like, all right, shame is over. I don't care if I look at pornography. I bought the playboy that I grew up with and hid in the lining of my grandmother's chair. It was in my bedroom, but it belonged to my grandmother. I bought that playboy and put it on my table. I was like, I'm not embarrassed that I like this. And then I had casual sex and I was like, I don't feel bad about it. I was trying to reprogram myself by indulging. And then the, the finale of the book is this very difficult re-examination of what it felt like when I was a kid, which is what you were having on the street, that really intense desire matched with, if I have this, then God must not love me. And to get over it, and I don't mind ruining the ending of the book. I mean, I don't care about that. I, I needed to love it. I needed to say yes to this whole sloppy predicament instead of what Richard Rohr calls willpower Christianity. You know, he, Richard points out that Jesus talked about, he, there's this parable he says where he's like, don't pick the weeds while the wheat is still growing. He's like, wait till the harvest and pick it all. So he's telling us, work with your sin, work with your flaws, work with your disruption. Don't, because if you yank up the weed, you'll pull up the weed as well. It's not a fuck up. God couldn't, God made you how you are. Work with it, learn with it. It's your curriculum. It's the yeah, 
that's the class that you're in. I think he even said, let, let sin have its finished work before you try to stop it. Like there's yes. a, there's a finished work to be done. And you said bad Christian. He said, who, who amongst you is good? Don't you don't, like, don't, this is so fucked, man. I, I studied in Israel in college and I remember people were having debates as to whether or not you could go a day without sinning. That's what we were doing. We were trying to hold our breath. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was repression goodness. Yeah. And what then, side were you on? <laughs> I, I, I was hard. You could not do it. Really? Because I was just like, yeah. you're thinking you could do it is, is a sin. But that was, that <laughs> was <laughs> so true. <laughs> you already started off in the wrong foot. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, that, that's just arrogant. <laughs> and I was like, you can't. <laughs> you know what his name was? No lie. His name was Leaf. And that's where I got the name <laughs> on the show. The guy's name was Leaf. And, um, I don't know, just the idea that we can walk through life holding our breath. Like Jesus said, be in the world, but not of the world, right? And I, I talk about this in the book. I always thought that meant like, you know, be here, but don't see R-rated movies or, or don't look at a girl's ass or don't have sex or don't swear. And now I'm like, it's like unfold the way you're unfolding and work with that. Don't, but don't get lost in it. Don't I don't think that that's who you are. That's your flesh. That's your false self. That's your false identity. And that's also just basic, you know, psychology. You, you build up an ego. You are awareness, or you can say your soul. And all of this just grew around it. And then we sort of go like, well, I, look, look, you guys. I'm white. I'm male. I'm tall, or I'm short. I'm brown hair, or blue, or I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, or I'm from the South. That's all bullshit. It's all just made up stuff. Who you really are is the is the still unchanging awareness inside that's observing all of those things. So when Jesus says, "Be in the world, but not of it," he's I think he's saying, "Go, go, do your stuff. Fall down, get up, talk about it, get messy, wrestle with the angels, get." fucked up by the demons, whatever it is, don't forget who you are. It's the stillness that's watching it. And that's, and that's when you can identify with that, that's the kingdom of heaven that he says is right here that men do not see. It's not in going like, okay, now I'm tall, white, a Green Bay Packer fan, a Christian from the South, and I'm a good boy. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's your more false self. Who amongst you is good? Nobody. Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? That's that's it, man. The weeds are in the system. We're not exterminators. We're not, you know, one of my big things is like Christians, we act polite because that implies an inner transformation. Mm -hmm. You know, if you signaling, yeah. If you do wake up to your soul, chances are you won't be an asshole. Chances are you won't steal, you won't uh cheat on your wife, you won't lie. But what we do is we put the cart before the horse. We act like that transformation has happened by being polite when really Jesus is calling us to transform. And then your behavior will reflect that transformation. But we're robbing ourselves of, of the electricity and the excitement and the adventure of merging with what is, with, with the big I am and finding your place in eternity right here and now. And then chances are you'll probably be polite. Yes, you'll probably be polite. But I don't think that's the point. <laughs> so we covered uh, jerking off. Let's move on to psychedelics. Another one of the you yeah. mentioned psychedelics before. So let's let's talk about that. How does that play in for you? It's quite the cultural topic these days, too. 
I know. Isn't that weird? I don't think that's a mistake, you know, because the internet, I think more people are able to talk about these things and they become mainstream uh, a lot faster than even they did in the sixties and stuff. If they had the internet in the sixties, I mean, Mm-hmm. I, I think about that sometimes like Jack Kerouac would have like a happening with 50 people. And now the, the four of us or five of us can do this podcast and tens and thousands of people will hear it. It's, mm-hmm. it's fucking crazy. It's no wonder the, 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 you know, the collective consciousness is kind of changing or you could say evolving. Absolutely. And that's super exciting. So again, I'm grateful to be on, but um, I want to be clear that I, I don't, I don't think everyone needs to do psychedelics. I know a lot of people are, you know, might, might get that message from me. I, I just want to speak for myself. I lost my faith because my wife left me. And <clears throat> so there's sex again, you know, isn't it fitting that it was sex that broke us up wow. when on our divorce papers, I put abandonment because I couldn't put adultery. I didn't want to tarnish my ex-wife's name with that. The big sin. I was yeah. like, just, let's just say as far as York <laughs> is concerned that she left. So that's like the most Christian thing I've ever done. I couldn't even say what had happened, that she had had sex. My mother called her carnal. And I was just like, ooh. (laughs) Sounds like the scarlet letter, no? (laughs) Exactly. And my dad said, I thought she was a Christian, you know? (laughs) And and finished the dinner. How could she be, right? How could she be? Um, So anyway, my wife left. I lost my faith. There's more to that. But I mean, like, it's sort of gave me the green light to think all the thoughts that I had been thinking, but always would sort of like, you know, Book of Mormon, flip it off like a light switch, knowing that all your atheist, Muslim, Hindu, agnostic friends were going to burn in a lake of fire. And even, even my Catholic friends were going to hell. You know what I mean? Like, like so many people I knew were just, every person I met was just, excuse me, another person going to hell. That was a weird noise I made. But, um, so then I became, an atheist just by default i was like well what i believe couldn't be true because i it had been sold to me as like a divine protection plan yeah and it wasn't paying out anymore so i sort of stopped thinking about it and then i and all my friends were atheists so i i sort of enjoyed the nothing that they believed in It, it was kind of a relief i was like oh so i die and it's just Nothing. I was like, okay, I'm not afraid of nothing. I can, I, I can be nothing. People would say, like, where were you during the Renaissance? And I was like, oh, right, that that wasn't painful. It didn't hurt. I wasn't aware. Great. I go back to that. Big deal. Let's have some ice cream. Um, and then I took uh, mushrooms. Kind of in that spirit, I was at Bonnaroo. Uh, I was performing at Bonnaroo, and there's a lot of mushrooms there. <laughs> <laughs> And I just took it because it's in the book, but Amy Schumer and Reggie Watts and Kurt Braunohler were, were just like, you're going to love it. It's just like a great party drug, right? It's just, it just, it's like, you know, weed is a mild hallucinogen. Mushrooms is like a natural next step. We didn't have anything to do that day, me and my girlfriend. And there were all these things like a Ferris wheel and there was like sculptures and the fountain and a big open field. And they were like, this is the perfect place to do mushrooms. I, I would contest that now. <laughs> I would never take mushrooms at Bonnaroo now. <laughs> Maybe I would, but but it's not it's not necessarily ideal for your first experience. But we can get into that. So I split a dose with my girlfriend at the time, which was still plenty uh, to get me there. And what happened, and I didn't really realize it until afterwards, 
But what had happened was I experienced something ineffable, meaning you can't talk about it, which means you need to use metaphors to even get close to what it was you were describe, uh, experiencing. And that, without knowing it, opened me up to the idea that God is something like that. God is something that is so vital and thick and blah, blah, that you need to, you need a story to talk about it. So after I, and I can talk more about mushrooms and my thoughts on it, but it, that's really what opened me up to Joseph Campbell and Richard Rohr has this great quote. He has two great quotes about it. He goes, um, metaphor is the only language we have to speak of God, which if you think about it, of course, <laughs> what, what God can you hold as concretely as I'm holding this glass? You just, I have it. I have the infinite. Can you contemplate infinite for a second? I have the infinite mystery in my hand. I have it. It's in my Amazon basket. I'm going to check out. I'm going to do prime and get it in two days. I've, I've got it. So I had this thing that was so mysterious and difficult to explain. And then Richard says, um, myth is sometimes is always true. Myth is always true and sometimes really happen. And I love that. So we started, I started to look because of Joseph Campbell and Richard looking at the Bible as, as a myth overlaid on history to help us get to a place that is as ineffable as the experience of psychedelics. Overlay is so, a great word there for that. Yeah. That, that, I don't know where I got that, but somebody else has said that, but having an experience that now when I look at it, I was like, that was the kingdom of heaven. What to me mushrooms does is it's a, it's a presence inducing phenomena. You take it <clears throat> and your brain is forced to stop its comparisons and its analysis and all the stuff that it does naturally going, this is important. That tree isn't important. And it plummets you into an experience that I bet you could get from seven days of fasting in a cave, but it forces you there. It takes you to the front of the line and it puts you in the nightclub that you could call enlightenment or the kingdom of heaven or whatever you want to say. And you can play around there for three or four hours. And then when you get out, if you're like me, you devote the rest of your life to try and increase that level of awareness in your everyday life. But I, I needed the cheat. I needed the cheat code to realize that we weren't just talking about an idea or a concept of the kingdom of heaven, but that it was something, it was something real. And, and frankly, that's that we're soaking in right now. It's just our brains mm -hmm. are robbing us of it constantly with our false self. We're constantly reaffirming who we are and who we aren't what's important, what's not important, what we want versus what is happening. And these drugs have this potential, to, this possibility to really put you in to a big yes to what is. And when you, when you visit that place, uh, you're hooked. I mean, that, that is a, that's a spiritual revelation that you eat. If yeah. you want to go over my rules for how to take psychedelics, that might be helpful because I don't think you should take them in the back of a cab on the way to a party with some people you don't know. <laughs> I think you should look at it like the God phone and it's ringing and where do you want to be and what do you want on your, on your day to answer a call from the divine. And I can do it real quick. I, I like doing it over three days. Let's say you're going to rent a cabin. First day, you don't do anything. Just get comfortable with where you are. Even if it is just in your own house, just get comfortable in your own house. Listen to some music, maybe meditate, maybe read good things. Read Richard Rohr's Universal Christ. Just read that 
all day and just fucking get that goodness in you because that matters because we're about to put something in you that's going to like be activated by your interior reality. So let's make sure you're not watching horror movies and shit. And shit. <laughs> turns out those aren't evil, but I mean, that's going to, that's going to get some strange ideas in you. So let's get some goodness in there. Let's listen to some, I'm going to use the word edifying. Let's listen to some edifying music. Let's have some good conversation. Let's, let's be with our loved ones. Day two, you're going to take them in the morning and you, who you take them with is very important. I always say, ideally it would be with somebody that you love very, very much, um, friends or partners or whatever. But ideally, you want it to be people that you're comfortable um, crying in front of or vomiting in front of. (laughs) You might not cry or vomit, but if you would be embarrassed to cry or vomit or fart in front of this person, they're not the right people. I've had bad trips before, and it's always because I was with some girl I was trying to impress. Like, get that energy out of here. You need to be comfortable, like you know, curling up like an ampersand and staring at the clouds for five hours. You don't want to be thinking do I look stupid right now? You want to be very, very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then the third day is you want nothing the next day. You're going to have a bit of a vulnerability hangover. You're going to have a bit of a spiritual hangover. And when you're tripping, you don't want to think like, I have to be at work in 12 hours. You want to think, I have nothing tomorrow. I can just unpack this and, and, and journal about it or think about it or whatever. So that, that's the, that's the bite-sized version of how to take psychedelics. Um, but yeah, Yeah. that's, that was a big deal for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I was thinking about this way. I have a newborn uh, kid right now, and I'm just watching him experience stuff. And I, I had a psychedelic. I did mushrooms one time a couple of years ago. and hadn't had the opportunity to do it again, but v- very similar to what you're saying there. But I'm looking at my son and seeing him take in all the sensory data, and he has no way to filter it. He also doesn't possess an ego, and he doesn't know how to say, this is like you said, this is important, that's important, I'm this person. It, he doesn't have that. He's taken in five senses at 100% all the time, and he's going to practice from yeah. now until he's seven and then 25 of n- ignoring things and yeah. That make making that voice of who he is, he's going to practice that so hard that he's going to forget right now. And the psychedelic experience must be closer to that, just taking it in without being able to selectively filter. Dude, you're fucking a right, a hundred percent right. And the book Be Here Now opens with what is now one of my favorite Bible verses, which I never understood, which was, "Lest ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven." Right. So. That is all of it. There it is. That's the whole thing for me. Lest you be converted and become as little children. I've had people on my podcast that thought that meant you had to be naive and just accept whatever the church Mm -hmm. said. But what you're saying is how I interpret it. Unless you can like drop your thoughts in, out, this, that, male, female, good, bad, important, not important, now, later, all that resistance when you, when I, I have a seven month old, she turned seven months yesterday. And that is what we're talking about. That is pure awareness. That's the manifestation of yes. It's just taking Mm -hmm. in. And when Jesus says that it's so important to me because how could a child believe a complex theology correctly or not? It's not about that. It's not about your belief. And it's not about what you're resisting or not resisting. It's about a freedom and an awareness and a, and, and a um, identification with your soul, which is what your baby is doing. Because my baby has no idea she's American. 
I was in Italy and I saw a ladybug and I was like, that ladybug does not know it's Italian. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. it. That's it. You are not Italian. You are not Americans. You are not whatever, whatever labels you want. And that's what babies can be. And that's another part of my book was I was like, I call our baby luminous emptiness. She's just light and emptiness. And that is what I think Jesus is inviting us to. He's saying, can you put it down just for a second? Let the weeds grow. Let the wheat grow. That's not who you are. Don't get lost in the world. You know, just just be here. Just surrender. I think right. it opens the door too to like, uh, like you said, even just simplifying it into like, uh, you know, somebody that wouldn't want to see you, you know, cry or vomit or something like that. I think the world informs us and it goes back to, to me, a little bit of that safety issue of, wait a minute, I know if I don't fart in front of people, they'll like me better maybe, or something, you know, like I'm informed, my, my identity is informed by those things. And I think when, when you take a psychedelic or something mm -hmm. like that, uh, marijuana or whatever, it, releases a little bit and you get a glimpse of that like you said luminous and even going back to what you said earlier about like paul or whatever you know on the road to damascus god says saul saul why have you forsaken me forsaken me and at that moment paul had to be like what the fuck are you talking about i've been murdering people for you i was doing it you know i was doing everything for you what are you talking about and it, it god tells him in that moment wait a minute you were talking about our flesh and and He's actually telling him, wait a minute, you're looking laterally here and, and what the rules are Damn, and how that totally. informs how you should live as opposed to, wait a minute, what, I, look at the big thing, the whole thing. I'm God. Why, what are you, you're forsaking it all. That's, that's Matt not looking at the ass. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm doing everything you said. And that was me going like, I didn't swear or, or drink. Right. Again, I'm not saying like we need to go out and look at every ass and swear and drink, but I'm saying that's not the point. Like it's something else far more subtle. So in the universal Christ, Richard says something that's just beautiful. He says, Jesus came to earth, not to change how God thought about humanity, but to change how humanity th thinks about God. And that is that moment of Saul. Why have you forsaken me for me? It's like, we've lost the narrative. We think we're bad little boys. And that's all, that's all your right. false self. That's all your ego. And you need to like, go inwards. That's what we always yeah. say. Truth is inwards. You know, uh, St. Francis said, you know, what you are looking for is what you are looking with. So what's coming out of your eyes and what's hearing me and what's seeing what's around you is consciousness, is the phenomenon of I am, which is what God is, 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 isness. And yeah. uh, murdering people or willpower Christianity it's just, it's just, you know, it's kindergarten stuff. It, it, there's, there's more to this curriculum than we thought. Yeah. I think some, in some ways it was just sold like one of the, uh, your chapters, I think it's called treasures in heaven. And yeah. is that right? Yeah. And I was thinking that that's one of the biggest, uh, hurdles that we have to push, especially like, you know, I grew up in South Carolina, uh, you know, very backwoods, small church, 40 people, and we were the right ones and everybody else was wrong. You know what I mean? That that's just the way I grew up. And it's hard to, to convince people that because it's almost like the American dream. A lot of Christians were sold. I was sold a bill of goods of, hey, yeah, you do th do this, this, and this, and that's when you get your reward. And it's, it's, it was really hard for me to convince, convince myself even. Uh, when we did the podcast the first time, one of the things that you said that stuck out in my mind was you said, uh, I think we've reduced the story. 
And we've, we've, we've made the story smaller. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. And, and you know, after that day of finally getting over my, my hurt and my butt hurt and all that stuff from that podcast that day, I was thinking, wait a minute, that, that is how I feel. Like, God has to be bigger than this, right? Like, it can't be a checklist. And you kind of mentioned that, too. Like, it, it can't just be a checklist. Our God can't be a checklist, and that looks like our reality. That just can't, that can't encapsulate what God is. That can't encapsulate uh, righteous wrath or righteous love or anything. Like it, you can't start anywhere if it's my checklist. And so I, I think that's, an, that, that's the hurdle we face though. Like it is scary to hear somebody like Pete Holmes go, yeah, I was a Christian, but now I believe, man, we might all make it or God's all love. Like the, that's because we reduced the story, your story to that, some, some sound bites, you know? And so it's really hard to convince people of that, I think. Right. Yeah, it, it, I think you and I both grew up in that same way that the world was just like a waiting room for later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rob makes that really challenging point in Love Wins where he's like, you know, the age of accountability is a different age for different churches. Uh, but I think it's like around seven or eight is that that's how old you need to be to understand the gospel. And then you can you're therefore eligible for hell after the age of seven or eight. You, you've reached the age of accountability. And he sort of makes this very dark point where he's like, wouldn't it be an act of grace then to just kill these kids, you know, before yeah, right. and then go to heaven? But, you know, it's, it's a grotesque point. But what he's saying is if, this, if the point of this reality, this incredible, vibrant, engaging, colorful, amazing world that we live in is just a holding place to see how much you cannot this, this or this. Or how much you can be in the right group, which, by the way, every group thinks they're right. So, like, it's not a very effective experiment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Not a good point to say, but we're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just you're just looking at like this is all about later, later, later. And I think if you look at Eckhart Tolle and the Power of Now and the way that he interprets the words of Christ, I think that's you know I'm open to that being right on. Let's let's put it this way because we are talking about being right, right? I'm saying it resonates in my heart when I'm still and I stop talking like this and having coffee and being on a podcast. If I sit down on my couch and quiet down, that's where those things make sense. Or if I take mushrooms, that's where those things make sense. Or if I'm, if I find myself in the spirit, in love, that's where those things make sense. And it stops sort of pleasing my ego. That kind of goes back to what you were saying before. I, I don't really go around trying to like make people agree with me because my worldview is now inclusive of your, your papa's worldview. And it's inclusive of your churches thinking that they're in. And it's all just, it's part, it's in the game. I don't want to get rid of them. I don't, I, it's, it's not like, oh, let's, let's go in that church and we'll wag our fingers and we'll tell them that right. God is love and everybody's okay. It doesn't matter to me. It's like, play the game, wear the uniform, do the dance. It's okay. Because that let's, for me, that damage that was done to me was part of the path for me. My wife leaving was part of the path. People telling me I was going to hell mm -hmm. for masturbating was part of the path and I wouldn't change it. I remember I did a pastor's podcast a long time ago and I was like, is a perfect world where everyone's a Christian and everybody's just sort of getting along? Like, is that a possibility? Is this, is this a mistake that there are people of different faiths? And he sort of had that like old world view, which is like, yeah, let's make everybody like us. And I was like, that's mother, that's, that's, that's ego stuff. That's let's win the world series. Let's get the trophy. Let's show them. And it's the most Western interpretation of something that is so 
mysterious and esoteric and mystical, we've turned it into another product that we can buy and show off. And as Ramdas says, we want to know and know that we know and know that we know that we know correctly. And then kind of like, I don't know, enjoy that certainty. But I, I don't think that's what God is. I don't think God is certainty. I think God is a ineffable mystery that we can participate with and feel and experience and merge with. But I don't think it's something that we're ever going to write down perfectly. How could we? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then what? Oh, we got right. it. We got it perfectly. It's in this book. Exactly. Does does grace increase? Can we? Does love increase? Can I can I yank you guys into the moment a little bit more? That's what matters. Can mm-hmm. we share some now, right now? And what is now? Now is saying yes to what is. What is yes? Yes is love. What is God? God is love. Can we say yes to this? The ego wants to go like, well, not if you don't say this prayer, or not if you did a immersion fully conscious 18-year-old baptism. Okay, we'll wait. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's worth highlighting what you're saying there, Pete, and I appreciate your time today. It's uh I think you're walking a line this this actually pretty uncommon. So some people will hear you saying again, this is this fruitier stuff, this guy that's deconstructed, he's in Hollywood, he's way out there saying all the woo-woo stuff. Yeah. But that but the the perception of those p- same people a lot of times is and they're the ones that are persecuting Christians or the ones that calling for justice on the, the crazy stuff on social media. And you're you're saying, I heard you say specifically, you are tolerant and inclusive of Toby's Paul Paul's church, who inevitably is you yeah. know, homophobic and all yeah. that. But you're including that. And that is a, a narrow line that m- most people are not walking <laughs> these days. I think that's worth pointing out. I think that's it's, interesting. The guy who quits smoking and then starts telling yeah. everybody that smoking kills you. That's right. What are you doing? It's all us. It's right. all us us that's what jesus is is doing he's going like it's when you feed him you're feeding me that's unitive consciousness i like to call people me's i go that me told you, <laughs> that me told this me that he was going to help you know that's funny and that's what jesus is doing you know what I mean? people are all like oh when we feed homeless people we're feeding jesus he's like you're feeding this it's everything including a lot of ugliness and hate Anybody can say yes to a nice afternoon brunch or or being a Hollywood big shot asshole. Sure. But can I say yes to everything? Because we, we, you know, that is what I see God being. That is what I see nature being. That is what I see reflected in in our universe. You know, Alan Watts talks about when we look at the stars, we see galaxies burning out and we see things colliding and we see things, you know, getting sucked into black holes. And we just go, look. Look at how it is. And we think it's beautiful. Can we do that this way? Can we look at our own predicaments and our own planet with the same dispassionate compassion? We are just like, yeah, those me's think gay people are evil. All right, fine. I, I disagree. <laughs> but like, right. it's all in the drama. It's all yeah. in the play. It's all in the dance. It's all in the world. But I'm not of that world. I'm over here. And so are you. And somewhere quiet behind all of those beliefs and even that ugliness and that hate is a still unchanging, quiet place, a soul, a spirit that is just going like far out. I'm an asshole this time. (laughs) Right. That's awesome. It's interesting you say that, though, like even with homosexuality, whenever there's a change, like, you know, Christian brought up, y'all are right. Like in our church, homosexuality is one of the big sins. Once you meet some homosexual folks, you go, oh, 
they're like me. Like it's going back to your me thing, you know, like, wait, they're, they're a lot like me, mostly like me, almost all that is me. Okay. There's, it's brilliant. There's two things here. A pastor has a gay son. He starts interpreting the Bible differently. What, what happened? You know, hopefully sometimes they disown, but sometimes they, they change their theology. So what went on there? We're fascinated in, in this culture with, with um, two types of movies, these road trip movies like Green Book, where a racist guy goes on a trip with a black man. Okay, right. And we also love movies. There's a new one called Little Body Swap Movies, right? Where you, what if you woke up and you were a black man? That's because, okay, let's take the body swap one first. That's because you know who you are isn't this. So you're, right. it's, it's basically a pop culture way of playing with the idea, what if you, who you really are, your spirit, woke up in something else? What if the encasing was different? What if it was gay? What if it was black? What if it was overweight? They had shallow hell. What if it was like a, a big overweight person? That That is soul consciousness in pop culture. And Green Book, this is this is a, a point I'm I'm deeply passionate about. Yes, my ex mother in law was anti gay, right? She thought it was like the worst thing you could be. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you don't know any gay people. So take Green Book. Let's put her on a road trip with a gay person, and let's have them bond. In fact, let's really make it easy for her. Let's have that gay person be loving and kind and compassionate and beautiful. Let's have him listen to her and connect with her and really see her. And to really put it over the top, let's have him save her life. All right? If we're writing the script, let's have him save her life. This is the movie Crash, basically. Let's have him save her life. What happens now? Well, now she it's not gay people. It's Trevor, right? And that's going to get inside of her, and that's going to change her heart. Here's the thing. So that's a conversion, in my opinion. That's a conversion experience. What we need to do as human beings is be converted without the conversion experience. We don't have time for everybody to go on 7,000 road trips, go on a road trip with a trans person, go on the road. For me, go on a road trip with a racist. For me, go on a road trip with somebody that's a Jonathan Edwards fire and brimstone. We don't have time. So fucking stop. Right (laughs) now, open your heart. Fake it till you make it. Try to embody that road trip without actually driving to Iowa City. Just do it. It's not that's like, like in a movie, though. You know, eight, you know, fifteen minutes in a movie, you go. I think I know where this is going. Yeah, okay, <laughs> skip the rest of the movie. I know how this is going to go. Like, right. just just picture it. Okay, move on. I like that. Your God-given imagination and intuition to try to feel and experience what other people might be going through without the fucking <laughs> getting hit in the head with a hammer of a road trip. We don't have time. Wake up is another way to put it. Wake up. It's all us. This me is transgender. This me is racist. This me is homophobic. This me thinks this me is going to hell. This me thinks these me's are all all in the game. And, and that's what we're here to do. And that's what we're here to work with. Ideally, though, we could have some conversion without some fucking road trips or having a child that is gay or having a child that is transgender or having whatever. Can you, can you take that lesson in without life hitting you in the face with a hammer with it? That, that I think would be pretty evolved of us. And I think it's actually pretty possible. 
Pete, we really appreciate your yeah, time man. today, man. Thank you so much. The book is called Comedy, Sex, God, and it's out May 14th. Next week. Uh, thanks for joining us again, man. I appreciate the second try at this, so that means a lot. I I appreciate the first try. I am so, I'm never going <laughs> to you at six beers before that. <laughs> and I think it, we all do well to contemplate just how, and I will too, how afraid we are to have – you know, even me, like, I'm like, oh, uh, what if you guys disagree with me? This isn't, this isn't a risk-free or stake-free game for me. Like, what if you attack me or get vulnerable with me or make me question things? My book ends with the idea that I might disagree with myself in three years. That would be when we do our next podcast. Yeah. And that's also okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's keep, we're in the river. Let's keep flowing with it. But the biggest thing I can say is if you can learn to love it, and what does that mean? If you can learn to say yes to it, I think you're in a more quiet place that to me is a little bit, to use a, a Christian word, a little bit more godly, a little bit more Christ-like. Because that, that that's something that's available to you right now, regardless of your belief. You can do it as an atheist. You can do it as a Christian, a Muslim, a Hindu, a Buddhist. It doesn't matter. Let's, let's learn to love more, and that means say yes more and be here more. And that's and that's a really exciting thing to say. So please pre-order the book. Obviously, I, I'm not ashamed to plug the book here. For no sure, no doubt about. It. We got a lot of audiobook people, so y'all get Pete's book on audio on Audible yeah. wherever you do it. Order it, pre-order it now, and uh, yeah, that'd be good. Support it. I, I appreciate you putting all the effort and thinking into doing things other than just you know being on TV and making money. That's obviously that you got more things going on that matter, and I'm glad to see that and hear that from there. So appreciate it. It's my favorite thing to talk about. So I, I'll happily come back anytime, and, and thank you for having me. Thanks, Pete. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye, guys. I just think that was uh, that uh, that was unbelievable. Like, just <laughs> well, uh, well, he just said Richard Moore quotes, and now we're back to well, unbelievable. Well, uh, here, no, here, here's the thing. Here's what's unbelievable. What's unbelievable is he is at a place where all, I knew you were enjoying this. Podcast. All you I knew can it. all you can do is offer understanding and patience to people. That's all you're left with. Like when you get to his perspective and you get to where his mind is stuck at, that's all you can offer people. And I just think that is an unbelievable place to be. And I and I do I mean me listening to that as a pastor that's in a culture where most people I don't see eye to eye with, that was that that felt like it was almost more confirmation of <sighs> take a deep breath and at the end of the day, uh, agreements aren't even that's there's a there's a way more important thing going on. I, I just, I loved it. And I, and I did want to tell you guys an example. And I was, uh, I was like, now I can talk to Toby and Matt about this afterwards, like an example of all this. So recently it's so funny. Cause we started this podcast as being triple uh, X church um, promoters. And it was a great thing. I mean, I don't supported us exactly. Uh, addicted to porn That's is an not anti-porn software stuff that we used to, have as a listen to yep. any early episodes and you'll hear yep and um, you know addiction to porn i don't think any of us like but i i'll tell you this recently i have been letting myself off the hook of being such a sexual being so another and this is stuff that priscilla and i even talk about so that doesn't mean like uh in any way like reckless porn looking or porn at all or anything like that it's just Oh, you saw a good looking girl and you were like, oh my gosh, like don't don't let the guilt part come in and say, oh, what did I do or any of that stuff. And I've been doing that habitually, like accepting who I am as a as a sexual being. And I I'll never forget it was such a turning point. I was in the park and 
uh, walked by a girl and I could tell from afar that she was going to be attractive. Having rid ridded myself of the religiosity morality aspect, the first thing that came to my mind is she's probably used to guys staring her up and down in the park with her jogging stuff on. That's the last thing I want to do is make her feel uncomfortable and ruin her Saturday morning. And I just avoided eye contact and everything. All of that to say is it makes so much sense that when people that were brought up the way that we were brought up were so focused on morality and right and wrong, which it seems that Jesus says that's not what your eyes should be on. Well, then it lets you off the hook to actually make decisions based on love and and based on what life is all about. So Yeah, so you're making a decision from the point of view of already accepting that you are this way and then what might be beneficial or better for me, just making those decisions versus just... Right, it's, to keep with it. Yeah. It's it's letting go of the. I mean, to me, it is the gospel. It's letting go of the letter of the law, and then the Holy Spirit guides you to a deeper truth. Like yep. what, what? I mean, shouldn't someone be motivated not to stare up and and down a woman because of out of respect for her, not out of yeah. not out of mastering your own self? It should be because you care about another person. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's. I think you got that right. That was interesting to hear. Well, I, 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 I like what he says. Is it, it's and and both. Right. Like uh, we just had a great conversation. I feel kind of like inspired a little bit, and then immediately my dog's barking and won't stop. And I told her, but she comes in, her tail hits the guitar, <laughs> and I'm like, damn it! And I mean, like it's both. Like you, you are both, and yeah. so. We, we put so much weight on the other stuff, though. You put, like, that's what I've told guys at, like, my True Man events. Men put, and we've been told, women as well, have been told so much that our, our sex is so important, and the sex that we have and our sexuality, everything is so important that it means everything as opposed to, wait a minute, let me just think about it for a minute. Like 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 you, you were even saying, Joey, I think the Richard Rohr quote, you are saying, like, experience even the sin, because I was told alcohol is bad. Stay away from it. So then as soon as I tried it, I went way overboard because I was like, I can only drink it for this hour till I get home. I spent my $17 on it and it it has to be gone because I can't keep it. And porn, I got to do it when everybody's going from the house super quickly. And, and, and my sexuality became, oh, that is what a woman is. Right. You know what I mean? Like my sexuality was a woman is sex. Uh, and try to stay away from it. Treat her really nice. Be super respectful for her. Marry her, and then you can have you can fuck the shit out of her. Or so you know what I mean. Like seriously, that's what I, nobody said. Use those words, but that's the way it was. Yeah, no, I no mean, the, the, the churches use that. So wait till you get married. You're gonna. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, it's gonna be this. Uh, I wife, had the please worst your husband, honeymoon husband, on please the face of the earth. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that. yeah. I think they're all that way. Not all, but I mean, the, the bad honeymoon stories are. You know, that's a podcast. You know, yeah. bad honeymoon. I mean, that's all. <laughs> yeah, if we, if, yeah, oh man. Oh, you're right. Oh, that might be a whole po- uh, podcast mm. series. Bad yeah. called yeah. bad honeymoon. Yeah, you yeah. you can find plenty, plenty of Ooh, those. But I love that. Um, I'm going to start that podcast. I, I just, you know, for for people to it it is it is uh, it's a shame. I'll, I'll say it that way. It's a shame that that so many people will listen to Pete Holmes and just write the guy off completely because of the heretical sounding stuff that and 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 what he's talking about like identifies the problem of what's going on as to why people do that in the first place, but nobody will listen to him because they've already written him off because of how he is. And it's like, man, open your mind to the fact that maybe he has, uh, uh, sure, lots of wrong. Uh, I think we all are a lot of wrong. He just said he may change his mind in three years, but 
recognize there may be a deep level of truth in some of the stuff that he's saying. Like, pay attention to it for crying out loud. Um, anyway, here's hey, we're gonna we're gonna pitch the BC Club, and I'm so proud to pitch the BC mm. Club because our BC Clubbers support stuff like you just heard. There is no nothing in me that wants to apologize for saying join the BC Club when we actually just had a guy on that I think causes all of us to think a little bit more. Maybe uh, I would say encourages a lot of us. Uh, Toby and I just expressed that. So uh, people can go to thebcclub.com. Matt, tell everybody what we're doing differently a little bit, just in case they haven't gotten you. Maybe this is their well, first I time Well, I can hearing. give you the technical or the, and or the philosophical. Which would you prefer today? I, I like philosophical. Uh, okay, I like half philosophical. and half. Okay, I'm going to give you half and half. Um, the philosophical underpinning of what we're doing stems from, and I was telling you guys this earlier, trying to make a podcast, trying to make bonus content, trying to make a club, trying to figure out how to monetize. All these things are very, just very, very technical and, yeah, very, you very, know, very, very, as very. Pete was saying, ego-driven kind of stuff. And it's like, well, you just got to do all these things. But getting it aligned right is one of them. One of the things we tried to do was make recordings where we fly together and get in the same room because we thought maybe that's the right value and just and that way you know there's something about community and presence that is important underneath what we're trying to always do and discover so i thought that might be a good thing to do get in the room and can all these podcasts release but get the energy of us being in the same room i've shifted since then that works pretty well but it's so disconnected from day to day week to week now i've had my mind totally shifted and it's because of twitch and just paying attention to technology and the way people are engaging with it to where I'm starting to really validate the notion that online and digital communications and stuff is real and you can be present there because I noticed it because people aren't present in real life. Like they're looking at their phone, but they are present somewhere else. That's pretty cool. The BC club is a place where people are present and we want to be present too. So the thing we're forcing ourselves to do now and force in a disciplined way because it's fun is we're recording podcasts every day so you get this podcast a day but monday tuesday thursday and friday at lunchtime we're getting online we're going to be present with the bc club we're trying to stream it and have the comments and we're going to make our main episodes are those this is just a flagship episode we put out once a week but we're going to we're connecting every day with each other and with the club and trying to be there and hang out and see what comes out and that way we get everything out without having to overly plan or produce or manage or do all that kind of stuff and to me that's just making a huge difference so the technical side of it is um we have a podcast every day but the reason is to actually to be there to take the time to be there, to not cram it in. To not, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. You got to put that up. No, less of that and just more interaction, hang out, come join us. I validate that those interactions are real. If we're hanging out right now, it is real. This isn't some tele-meeting we're having. I'm talking to Toby and Joey. Reva's here. We're here. I watched I'm the National Seattle, Championship football here. game with you guys. That's right. So, And that is, of course, the obvious movement for the future is to be somewhere. And it's great because it's private. I mean, Toby, it's small. I gave you a hand it's job a at halftime. Place. Remember? Yep. That's right. A digital hand job. You, but it's a, it's, it's a digital place to hang out. The club is a safe place <laughs> where, I mean, say, it's not safe. It's just, you know, it's not the public space. It's just like minded people. You can hang out. You can be there. That's why you should join the BC Club. Lots of other reasons, but it's thebcclub.com. Can somebody tell us the, Recent batch of people. Yeah, who these these MFers joined this S uh, earlier in the week, and um, Toby, you have any revelations about them? Or are we just going with the list right now? Their their names speak for themselves. I think their names speak for themselves this time. All right. Well, after I'm, after that episode, I mean, 
I just want to, I just want to, they're okay. I got, I, I'll tell you, go ahead. I, something does stick out to each of them. I just trust you on this. Yeah. Okay. Joshua Ray's Lineberry. He is me. Daniel Ulitz. I am him. Kevin Reich. We. <laughs> Jonathan Pierce. We are. Zachary Ivy. Eyes. <laughs> Tyler Smith. Internal. Samuel Transcend- Mason Perkins. Transcend- Transcendental. Oh, sorry. Samuel Mason Perkins. Me. Hannah Boyle. Me and. This is the BC pot is over. Can I say one last thing before we get over? Oh, uh, hell yeah. We all need more one, one good reason to join the BC club, too, that y'all totally missed. Matt was getting all foo-foo out there and crazy. This might be, all of us are full of fucking shit. We might be really wrong. Like Pete, Pete Holmes, Toby Morrell, all of us might be r- way off. So we are just presenting ideas. That's what I think is the best part about joining the club. The club doesn't let us get away with shit. They make that's fun true. of us every second of the day. Hey, y'all did this. This is it. I love it. Oh, I like being held angle. in check. I that's why that, you joined the BC Toby's club because then as frustrated today. as you are with us, that's the place you can go voice it and get validated and us oh, hear it. Do you think Matt's people, full of fucking love your The BC club is for you, my friend. They that's love what your all comment. they do is call me do you hear, on bullshit. Do you hear Toby's day. Damascus? Mo- I love it. I mean, the dude's on fire. Dude, that's a great point. I really like that. I, that so the BC club operates as it's our bullshit meters for us. That's right. Hell yeah. And for themselves. See yeah. y'all.